And this is View of the Valley's podcast, episode 18 with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Chris? Can't complain, TJ. Uh, really enjoying the weather. It's with the weather cooling off here in the St. Louis area, it's been a lot more enjoyable. You know, driving to work with the windows down instead of, you know, walking out to your car and you're dripping sweat before you even get to your car. Right. It's only going to be hotter when you get in there. So, uh, we've talked about this before. My favorite movie of all time is the movie Hoosiers. And I probably gave the impression I knew everything there is to know about the movie Hoosiers. But I found out this Sunday that I didn't know everything. So... If you remember when they get to the state championship game, there's the PA announcer. He's like, and oh, the starting lineup for the Hickory Huskers. I found out that's also the guy that was the PA announcer at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for years. And by all accounts, gave qualifying and practice the buzz and the energy that it needed. People talk famously about this guy, Tom Carnegie. So if we have any, any Indiana listeners, they'll absolutely know that name. So... My buddy that he's when I got me into Indy, I call him up like, hey, did you know this? He's like, yeah. Like, why didn't you tell me? I figured you knew everything there was to know. <laughs> Get off the phone with him. Call my son at college. Hey, did you know this? Like, yeah, you're always on IMDb. I figured you knew. Like, you're kidding me. So I call my dad. Dad, did you know this? Like, yeah, I think it was on that piece that you uh, suggested I watch about the movie Hoosiers. It's like, so how do how did I miss this? Like, <laughs> so every so you thought you were going to tell everybody this great information, yet everybody knew except you, but nobody thought they should even ask you if you knew right, about it. Right, it's just the <laughs> assumption that I knew and I didn't know, obviously. So yeah, it's like my favorite movie intertwines with my favorite place. So I'm I'm kind of shocked that you didn't know that. Yeah, you being like, such a big racing guy. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, a wake up moment. So, hmm. I have a question for you. Okay, don't want you to answer it now. Think about it. we'll talk about it after the interview, so I can give you some time. I don't want to throw something at you that I've been thinking about for two days. You're okay, like, I have no idea. All right, two choices here. One can be anything you want. One I want to be kind of obscure. So. One in each category, a sporting event that you would most want to go to. Okay. So something can be obvious, like something like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Okay. You know, there's one, if you don't pick this, I'll be kind of surprised. And then one that maybe for whatever reason, you kind of know about this and you've always been curious about going. So I would say outside college basketball, but if you want to go college basketball for some rivalry game or some obscure game, I I could live with that. So now is this like something that I would like to go to or may, could it be like something like if I could go travel back in time, I would like to go to that event. No, current event. Current event. Like current, like upcoming, like the next time it happens, you're like, yeah, I want to be there for that. Okay. Sound good? Yeah. So again, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have some time about it since we didn't have a chance to talk about it before now. Okay. So uh, during today's episode, uh, current head coach at Jacksonville State, Coach Ray Harper, he'll be joining the show. A lot of good uh, questions we got going his way. He's going to get into, you know, what's looking ahead for Jacksonville State this year. You know, everything related with how they've been handling the COVID restrictions and basically how he came about to taking that job at JSU. Towards the end of the show, we get into our final thoughts segment. We're going to do a kind of like a chance for a listener to win some money and we'll have the details at the end of the uh podcast but with that tj uh we can get into some of the college basketball tournaments that you saw yeah being kinda, moved yeah kind of breaking news that uh john rostain's report reporting uh from sources that orlando is going to move several or excuse me eight early season events to Orlando. They're going to have them there. So the Champions Classic, the Jimmy V Classic, the Wooden Legacy, the Preseason NIT, the Orlando Invitational, the Charleston Classic, the Myrtle Beach Invitational, and the Diamond Head Classic. And I think Loyola is supposed to be in that Myrtle Beach uh, Invitational. So um, right now they're saying it doesn't look like fans are going to be allowed there, So which makes it even more curious you know, to bring that many teams together in one spot. 
I guess you'll have to wait. Is uh, Sports Business Journal was reporting it as well, but that's behind a paywall. So if anyone has any insight there, I mean, obviously we're going to be a week behind, but you know that it'd be interesting, you know, to see what happens there. Or if it'll be, they're saying no fans, but family will be allowed. I don't. I'm, I'm curious to see how that will happen. Yeah, that's. I guess that could be similar to what I know. The Denver Broncos they tried that last night for a Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to allow any fans, but they said. Uh, they were going to allow 500 fans that were either family or close friends to the player mm-hmm. to see how that would work out at the game. All the concessions would be open. Can't believe how much money they would make for 500 people. Right. But I don't know. I think uh, which one did you said one was going to South Dakota, didn't you? Uh, Battle for Atlantis is going to go to South Dakota, which has former uh, teams from the um, MVC in Wichita State and Creighton. I mean, that's that's about what you would think when you hear Battle for Atlantis. You're automatically mm-hmm. going to assume South Dakota. Right, right. Well, it's going to be at the Pentagon. If you've ever seen, they uh, used to have the D2 finals there. It's a pretty cool-looking facility, kind of a throwback facility. But again, you don't think Sioux Falls, South Dakota, when you think Battle for Atlantis. But maybe it's a little more realistic than going and playing at a casino. Well, I, the, I, I think that's one of those that they play in the ballroom in one of those casinos. So that's got to be a weird adjustment. I, th- I mean, there's ways around it. Um, you've seen what the NBA's doing as we're currently watching the uh, Celtics and Heat right now in the background. They've done a phenomenal job with it. And right. seeing how the NBA was able to, I mean, I don't think anybody really even tested positive during this whole thing down in Orlando. Not that I know of. It's not in a, in a while, at least. Yeah. And then you see what the, the TBT tournament did uh, before mm-hmm. the NBA started. That's been two successful, essentially, tournaments, if right, you will. Right. And I don't see how college basketball can't uh, follow suit. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. And again, now you start to get into that, what are we, what are the kids there for? You know, do you strip down even more of that amateur status by, all right, you're not going to go to class. You're going to go into this hotel room for the next week or two and play in these tournaments to earn us money. So uh, Big Ten vote is tomorrow about if they're going to play football. I have heard, here's a question for you, I have heard that Rutgers is going to vote no. If the other 13 teams decide to do it, do you think the Big Ten still gives Rutgers their cut of the Big Ten TV money? I don't see how you could. Yeah. I mean, could I see them doing it? Yes. Do I think they should do it? No. I mean, if, if you're not going to – you're obviously not doing anything during that year to even generate right. money if you're not going to play. But then again – You the, take care of your brothers and – Exactly. You know, because you know that's going to con- severely damage oh, yeah. the their sports across the board, and not to mention their academics that probably rely on those funds as well. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it would probably kill some of the programs, which would definitely hurt the university, as you've for already sure. seen for other uh, – major schools throughout the country may not be you know power five sports that they're losing but they're losing programs nonetheless if it's like golf for sure what the case may be but if the other 13 are doing it well i just don't see why one school would not do it yeah and that that's the other thing that comes to mind like if nine vote yes is there the pre agreed upon well if this passes by a majority we're we're going to do what the majority says because i guess you could flip the other way if nine say no can the other five go like well we still want to play i don't know yeah that's because i would be so surprised if ohio state michigan penn state there's no way they're voting no no chance yeah i mean you've already seen uh what is it, families of the players? Yeah, Justin Fields, who's the quarterback at Ohio State's really kind of leading this thing and really, you know, made his opinion known and credit to him, you know, for you know, sure. stepping up and hey, asking's free, right? He's got the platform <laughs> to do it. Right, and exactly. You've seen families of the players, they've been signing petitions for mm-hmm. certain schools to get the you know, the head of whatever if it's the university or the commissioner of the big 10 to hey we need to rethink this i mean everybody else is finding success here and that's when you look at the some of the fcs teams like the ohio valley um 
I know Missouri State just played out of the MVC, but Austin Peay's been on national television the last two weeks. Eastern Kentucky's been on there the last two weeks. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm sure this is not how Eastern Kentucky expected their season to go <laughs> by being outscored 59 nothing and then 46 to 10. Right. But hey, nonetheless, they're playing big programs in a year where uh, money, you really need it. You're university mm-hmm. now, and they're getting that by playing these money games. Yeah. Now, they may not be getting what they were going to get prior, but I'm still sure it's a nice paycheck. Right, for sure. You know, I was I was joking with my buddies. We were texting back and forth, and Texas State was on TV, like the national TV programs, two weeks in a row. That's I I would bet my house and my retirement that's never happened before. Yeah, if you take out stuff like ESPN Plus, like there's no way that's ever happened. I highly doubt it, especially the first <laughs> two weeks in a row. Right, exactly. But if you think that Texas State being on there is uh, a little different. You'll never guess what game I was watching this past weekend. Uh, I don't. I, I don't even have. Can't even hazard a guess. I was watching, and am now a fan of the Campbell Fighting Camels. Yep. I was watching that with my dad. I was, what is this? I said, I don't know, but uh, it's an FCS school, and they are winning at halftime against Georgia Southern, who does well at home. I'm watching the rest of this game, and. It was something. Yeah. One of those other buddies, one of the same buddies that we were texting the other day, he and I both have Hulu. And it, it is not uncommon to have the most random games. Like we would have probably been able to still find Texas State, Texas San Antonio playing each other. But now those are the games that are featured. It's like there's only like four games. I mean, it might have been on, you know, like, hey, we're the only people in Illinois. If you have Hulu in this in this area code, now you can get that game. But now everybody has it now. I used to think that about myself and I'd watch – you know the OVC growing up, and I was in you know in high school, and people people would be like, hey, "Why why are you doing that? You're the only one in this town watching right. the Ohio Valley." I'm like, "Well, oh, because I I know the teams, and I I just enjoy watching that better than a Ball State and Eastern Michigan game that's on Tuesday night." Yeah, and, and while we're talking football, MVC products, Southern Illinois, you know, I got rep the the uh, the alma mater. Michael Pruitt, who's you know a St. Louis product, catches a one-yard touchdown pass for the Titans last night, and Jeremy Chin, who got drafted yeah. out of SIU, led the team in, with seven solo tackles. And I think I was told today that it's the most, excuse me, second most solo tackles a Panther rookie's had in Week One. Wow, I mean he was he was good. I know he had some injury problems at Carbondale, but he he can stay healthy in the NFL. It's going to be a good player. Yeah, so yeah, kudos to them and proud that they're representing SIU and the MVC. Okay, if we're going to go that route, um, I mean, you can't just not talk about what the Ohio Valley Conference accomplished this past week in baseball. Alec Mills threw a no-hitter for the Chicago Cubs. Yes, he did. And he played at Tennessee Martin for yep, baseball. I, I actually texted Kelly, you know, after she, Kelly DeVilder, after she'd been on our show, and she's like, yeah, we were watching it. And then she told me that, you know, her her in laws are Cubs fans. So I just okay. Yeah, that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> Sorry, somehow we lost connection. <laughs> but uh, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and bring you the interview from Jacksonville State head coach, Coach Ray Harper. And we are joined by Jacksonville State head coach, Coach Ray Harper. Coach Harper, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you guys for for having me on. Yeah, we really appreciate you uh, taking time to uh, talk Jacksonville State basketball. So we'll get right into it here, Coach. Okay. You have found success at each school you have been at as the head coach, starting at Kentucky Westland and then moving on to Oklahoma City. After collecting 337 wins, you got your first taste as a D1 head coach at Western Kentucky. What stood out to you when the Jacksonville State job became available? Well, I just remember when I was at Kentucky Wesleyan uh, as an assistant coach, I had to, it was back when you could live scout, and I had to come to Jacksonville State to scout them before we played them in the Elite Eight. And, I mean, it was a packed house. People 
I, and, I, and when I went back to talk to our head coach, uh, Wayne Chapman, I said, Coach, I got good news and bad news. The, the good news is we do not have to play them at, at Jacksonville State. The bad <laughs> news is I'm not sure we can beat them anywhere we play them. But um, So I knew that, that there were, at, at some point people cared, uh, you know, and then as I got to know the, the athletic director, meet him, and the people involved, it just it just became more and more attractive. And I just wanted an uh, opportunity to maybe – maybe look at doing something that hadn't been done and uh, they hadn't been to the conference tournament in several years and uh, you know just feel very fortunate that we were able to play an NCAA tournament after one year well, I was hoping to be able to build that and do it after three or four but we've been right in the mix every year so your first year at Jacksonville State you guys don't have the easiest of schedules you play 11 true road non-conference games plus two more neutral site games how difficult was it to play that many games away from home before conference play even got started? Well, it was difficult, but uh, you know, at the same time, I, I think it was rewarding for us. I thought our kids really grew up. Uh, they, we, we had good road wins that year. We won at Tulsa. We beat a good Cal State Fullerton team, a neutral side game at Vegas, and and I can't remember all the games that year, but we we. I thought we grew up as a basketball team and uh, you know I, I wouldn't want to do that every year but I think for that particular group and for us as a new coaching staff I thought I thought it was good you know we had coach Dickie Nutt on a few episodes back and it's kind of funny that it seems like every time a new coach takes over a program they end up having a hard time getting programs to come play at home especially if the program had struggled in previous years because he had said that, you know, it was it was easy to get teams on your schedule, but you just you couldn't even get a home and home series with teams because nobody wanted to come to Cape Girardeau. Well, we couldn't get anyone to start a series here. Now we we had a few we had some teams willing to uh, play play series home and homes, but it had to start at their place. And let's just say after about a week, uh, I, I told my assistant coach Richardson, look. We'll play them all on the road. He thought we, I was kidding, but I wasn't. I, I just we had other <laughs> things that we need to be concerned with at that time. That was finding some players that could help us win games, finding the right guys. Uh, if we start on the road, we're going to get a home game the following year. Is the way I looked at it, and um, again, I, I didn't intend to play all of them on the road. It just kind of worked out that way. Well, and I think, uh, which this will lead us into our you know next question with you, but I think your road-heavy schedule kind of made you guys fly under the radar because you, you had 20 wins that year, which ended up getting you into the NCAA tournament, but I think your only two home games out of, outside of conference play were against non-Division I teams. So you make your way into the NCAA tournament with a 20-14 and 14 record. May not be the most glamorous record for making the NCAA tournament after winning you know, your conference tournament. However, that road-heavy schedule helped you once the Ohio Valley tournament came around because you had to play, you know, three games in basically three days at a neutral site. What was your message to the team, and what was the experience like playing Louisville in the first round, which was their first NCAA tournament appearance for JSU? Well, not only was it our first NCAA tournament appearance, it was our first conference tournament appearance for our seniors. They had, they had not played in the conference tournament because the only, OBC only takes the top eight teams. So those three years leading into their seniors, they had they had not made the tournament. And you know, so getting them to believe they could win the conference tournament was was a chore. <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll say this about those kids: they they were really good kids. They played hard. They bought into what we were teaching and what we were preaching, and, and we told them to believe. And as we got to Nashville that year, I really felt like we were playing good basketball. And the first night we played SEMO, and I, it may have been the best game we played all year. We were just clicking on all cylinders. And I knew we'd have a chance the next night against Belmont, uh, and, and we did. So, you know, you got to give those kids credit uh, to – to be picked 12th out of 12 teams in the preseason and, and try to get them to believe that they can win a championship, is it's not easy, but uh, all the credit goes to those young men. 
So what was it like playing Louisville? I mean, you have Norbertus Giga, who averages 11 points a game, but then he goes off for 30 against Louisville. Uh, he not only went off for a 30, he was making threes like a, a starting two-guard. <laughs> he, he had not done that all year, so I'm sure Coach Patino had some choice words for his assistants uh, with the scouting report. But I'll tell his assistants, it was a surprise to me that he was making them like he was. But we, we just we wanted to attack their pressure. We knew they were going to press us. And I thought, for the most part, we did a great job. Um you know, we, we got great shots. There were, and, and we knew they were going to have some spurts with their press. If, if we turn it over, try, try to not have live ball turnovers. Um, the thing that killed us was the offensive rebounds at night. Uh, I was talking to one of my assistants the other day about what a great job we did on Donovan Mitchell that night. I watched him in the NBA playoffs get 50 one night. We held him to five in the tournament. We couldn't stop the other guys. But... You know, our kids, they competed, they believed, and and that's that's the most important thing. And we, we were right there with a chance. I think it was a two- or three-point game to have, and they really never got real separation until the last three or four minutes, I think. So you mentioned Louisville's press and trying to limit those live ball turnovers. What what was your overall message besides the live ball turnovers to, and to get your kids to, to be calm against the pressure that Louisville brings every time? One thing was enjoy the experience. I mean, no one expected you to be here. Um, don't do not get rattled. Stay together. Do what got you here. And, and you're playing good basketball. I, I, I do think the ten day layoff from the end of our conference tournament until the start of the NCAA tournament affected us a little bit. It was hard to during that time to really know how much conditioning, uh, how many days to take off, uh, but. You know, that is what it is, and uh, I thought our kids did a great job of, of staying focused and, and staying prepared to try to get ready for University of Louisville that year. Well, I think, uh, you know, the, the defense you guys played against Louisville, I think most people that probably watched the game that didn't exactly follow the Ohio Valley or Jacksonville State were probably blown away that, you know, you guys were competing with Louisville. You know, you, you had 14 losses, but as we had said, you could have had a a record that was easily better if you if somehow you could have ended up with a few more home games and I think that's where people just didn't know how good your defense could actually be and you showed it against you know Louisville well and that's the one thing we've been uh I think every year I think last year was probably our our poorest defensive team but the three years prior I mean we were the number one defensive team in the league and I think it helps when you have a guy who can protect the rim like we did in Christian Cunningham. Um, you know, we had Giga, who's seven-footer. He can change and alter some shots. It, it allows you to, to take some chances on the perimeter, be a little more aggressive. Uh, last year, we really didn't have that guy rim protector. Uh, so that's that's who we want to be. I think any time – the one thing about defense is it travels. And you may not make shots every night. You may turn it over – but if you defend every night, you'll have a chance to win games. So we had Antonius Cleveland on in a previous episode, and we had asked him who the toughest player he had guarding him during his time at SEMO. He did not have a certain player in mind, but did credit your defense at Jacksonville State for being the toughest that he went up against. What does that mean to you to hear that a, a current NBA player thinks so highly of your defensive scheme? Well, obviously, he, he he was a focus when we played SEMO. And if I was on here with him, I would tell him that that uh, those all five guys knew uh, we, we better have eyes and, and be talking. And he didn't get anything easy. He was going to score some points because he was such a good player. And, and I think it goes back to our, our guys following the game plan, knowing what we wanted to do. Uh, another example is uh, John Morant a few years ago. We played him. And we, we ended up winning the game big, 18-20. We, we forced him into 10 or 11 turnovers in the first half. You're talking about, or not the first half in the game, but you're talking about the NBA Rookie of the Year. Sure. Uh, but our focus was him taking away everything, driving, uh, transition, and, and our guys focused on the game plan and did what we need to do. Uh, and we've had some tough kids that, that will compete 
And, and to me, that's that's all the defensive end is, is guys that will compete, guys that will listen, guys that will follow game plans. And we've, we've had that for the most part here. So now that you're in the OVC, comparing that to your time at Western Kentucky, what what are some of the differences when it comes to scheduling or trying to get a balance of home and away games and just the conferences in general? I think for us in particular here at Jacksonville State, for example, I mean, obviously we're not going to buy teams to come in to play. So we're going to play more road games. We're going to play more neutral games. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast. I mean, in Conference USA, you're going to find some – some games usually had enough money to, to buy two or three home games if you needed to. And, um, you know, again, two years ago we had, what, two teams in the, in the NCAA tournament. As I look at the league this year, I, if, if everything goes accordingly and we're able to play a full season, I mean, I can see us having three teams in the NCAA tournament. This is the most depth and balance that I've seen uh, since I've been in the league. Yeah, it's uh, it seems to be getting deeper, you know, within the last couple of years, and you know, with the talent that Austin P has returning this year, I mean, they could, they could definitely make some noise against, you know, up at the top of the conference. I mean, they may be the preseason pick to win the league. Uh, Belmont, I mean, I think they're going to be right there with a chance to win it. Murray State uh, returns a ton. Uh, Eastern Kentucky returns pretty much the entire team. Eastern Illinois returns, I think, four starters. So there's going to be several teams that are going to have the opportunity to win a championship in this league this year. So looking ahead to this season, you know, obviously with everything in the COVID area, but how hard has it been trying to adapt to, like, those restrictions and still trying to get, like, a game plan, you know, heading into, you know, the the coming the incoming months? Well, I mean, you just have to – learn to control what you can control and you know i tell our assistants all the time i mean we we work with guys on jump stop pivots we're going to have to learn how to pivot as well and it could be at any time um you just control what you can control uh hopefully give these guys some confidence and uh, you know that that this season is going to start here soon um and so that's kind of kind of where we are with everything so kind of leading into that, it helps to have a veteran team. Your first four years, you've had three 20-win seasons, and looks like plenty of returning upperclassmen and some players that really gained some valuable experience last year. What do you see as encouraging for this upcoming campaign with those guys? Talent. We, we, we have talent. We have, uh, we have length. Uh, we have guys, uh, like you said, that are, that are older, um, we, we've got some transfers that have been really, really good for us in, in our workouts. I, I'm excited about this group. I think that you know we have some size that we didn't have. We have some length on the perimeter that we didn't have. And uh, I think we have some toughness that we maybe didn't have last year. So you mentioned you have some you know transfers from this past year. So one in particular, how big of an impact will Brandon Huffman be, you know, as he's coming from North Carolina where he was coached by one of the best in Roy Williams and saw top-level competition during his time at UNC? Yeah, you know, Brandon uh, is, a, is a great young man. Uh, he's extremely talented. I mean, he's 6'11", 270, but he can run. Uh, he challenges every shot around the rim. Uh, he's one of those guys he can dunk everything around the rim great over his left right shoulder scoring it I, I think you know he, he lost his mom uh, at the beginning of last year and I think it's just been a difficult year for him uh, but he is really starting to to come around come into his own uh, gain confidence each day and over the years I've had guys like him that maybe came from Ole Miss or wherever and and didn't didn't have play the quite the minutes that they probably thought they should, and, and it, the light kind of come on when they see the confidence that that you have in them. What we think he's capable of. Uh, again, I think he's capable of having a big big year, and uh, you 
know, I think Hubert Davis, when we talked to him about him, was was right on. He, he's a guy that he's going to score some buckets. I think he's <laughs> capable of being a double-figure scorer, close to a double-figure rebounder, and he is going to block or change a lot of shots around the rim. Well, you saw what he did at North Carolina. I mean, he, he didn't get a ton of minutes at certain stretches, but when he comes into the OVC, you just look at his size and length, and I mean, there's – you know, kind of like what you had said, I just, from my outlook, I just don't see how he doesn't have a, a nice season with as big as he is around the rim and kind of being a block shots uh, leader like Kenneth Fareed was at Moorhead. Right. And, and you'll be, as people watch him play, they'll be surprised at how skilled he is with his scoring the ball over his left, right, because he can go left, right. It doesn't matter around that rim and score it. Uh, but where he'll make the biggest impact for us, I think, will be on the defensive end. His ability uh, in some of our workouts, I mean, he's quick off his feet. You know, he'll, he'll try to block a shot there. Maybe we he doesn't get it. It goes uh, offensive rebound. He's, he's up trying to block the shot on the other side of the rim. So he's, he's going to play a major factor in what we're trying to do this season. So you're currently scheduled to play in the Gotham Classic. What do you think's the value, or how important is it to be involved in a multi-team event? I and mean, you're looking at the likes of schools like Syracuse and LSU for you guys to possibly play. Well, I mean, obviously, we always like trying to get some of those games on the schedule, and um, you know, right now we've got Alabama as well, so we're excited about anytime we can go play those guys. Um, you know, we, we've we've not shied away from that at, at any point in the four years I've been here. We're not going to do it in the future i think it's a great opportunity that's the way we look at it um you know obviously if, if we could play them on neutral court that would be even better but uh if, if you can go in there and win the game i mean that's that's a that's a big big win for your program and when it comes in ncaa tournament seeding time it's a those those games are big as well i can't remember all the power five conference teams you've played on the road but there have been certain games that you guys have basically been in till the end. You didn't get the win, but you were in it the whole game. And one game that does stick out, I can't remember which year it was, but it's been during your time at JSU. I think you guys went to Oregon State and you lost by one or two. So, I mean, it, that, yeah. just, that just kind of shows you guys can go and compete with Power 5 schools on the road. I can give you an example of a few. I mean, we went to the University of Richmond. And one by 40, uh, play at Buffalo the year they beat Arizona in the tournament, lose by three, um, lose by three on the last second three at Mississippi State, uh, West Virginia, we lose by two, miss a three at the buzzer, uh, Oregon State by one. So, yeah, we've we played a lot of those games and uh, had opportunities to win a lot of those games. Wichita State, uh, the year they two years ago when they went to the NIT championship, uh, lose by I think it was three, and that one of our, our uh, starting two guard was out that game. So we've been right there, uh, and it, obviously if it's a home game, it probably makes a difference. Obviously if it's a neutral game, it would help, but it wasn't. It's a road game, and you have to find a way to win those games. And we've won some, but we've had an opportunity to to win a lot more. Is there a certain place you enjoy playing at on the road in the Ohio Valley? Uh, I think, obviously, Murray State. Uh, I grew up in that area, so I know how much they care about basketball. I know how much their fans love their team. They follow their team. It's going to be a packed house. and Yes, some of the fans may be yelling stuff at me or at our players. <laughs> I think it's what college basketball is all about. Uh, and there's no question they care. And... Um, as a as a coach, as a player, you gotta you gotta love those type of environments and situations. And um, we didn't play there last year. I think the last two years we haven't been there. But uh, obviously, we'll play there this year, and we'll look forward to going in and meeting their lovely team and uh, <laughs> their lovely fans. But it but it, it'll be a fun night. So I meant to bring this up earlier, but kind of had lost my train of thought. Um, you know, you guys were in the NCAA tournament your first year there. And then in one of the next few seasons, uh, I believe 
it wasn't the NIT, but I think you were in either the CIT or the CBI. So what is your thought? What are your thoughts on playing in like the CBI or CIT? I know it's different than the NCA and the NIT, but how is it like being able to play, you know, like some home games while being a part of that tournament? Well, we didn't get to play any home games. We played all road games, sure. uh, which we were accustomed to. I thought it was good for that team and the reason for that. Most of those kids were juniors that year. Uh, we'd lost a tough game in the semifinals to Murray State. We won 22, 23 games. And I, I thought they needed that postseason experience uh, leading into that next year. I thought it would help us. Um, we ended up with some guys hurt. We ended up, um, I think we got to the, we lost in the semifinals to North Texas at their place. Uh, we play on a, I think it's a Monday night maybe at Central Arkansas win. We're having dinner uh, at, with my athletics director, and all of a sudden he's he's having to leave and drive back to Jacksonville. We had a tornado that rolled through here and destroyed our campus, uh, destroyed our arena, um, and we had to make a decision. Did we go ahead and go to North Texas and play, or did we just come home? And We went to North Texas and played, and then when I got home, I'd never seen devastation like like I saw when we got back to Jacksonville, but um, you know it's it's kind of the trees. Uh, we were we were displaced, no place to practice, no no locker rooms, no offices for about almost a year. So uh, that was my experience with the CBI. So overall, when it comes to those types of tournaments, what do you think about playing road games? Are you okay with that, or do you think they should find a neutral site? Well, obviously, a neutral site would be the, the ideal situation. I mean, no one wants to. I didn't want to go play 14 games or whatever it was on the road <laughs> the first year. I'd rather uh, play a neutral site game. I think the statistics or numbers say, what, 88% of the time the home team wins. So, obviously, there's an advantage in college basketball, more so than any other sport, more so in baseball, football. The home team has an advantage in, in basketball. Uh, so neutral site games are, I think, the fairest way to try to determine a champion. So question we have for all of our guests, can I get off the basketball topic here for a second? What's your favorite place to eat? You can either choose someplace on the road in the Ohio Valley or if you had a suggestion for us, somewhere near campus there in Jacksonville. Uh, on the road, Rafferty's. Okay, we, yeah. We do. Uh, in the OVC, there are, are a lot of Rafferty restaurants. Uh, so we try to do that uh, for Murray, Mr. B's Pizza. I love Mr. B's. They had Mr. B's in Bowling Green when I was there. Uh, here in Jacksonville, I'd have to say Cooter Brown's, which is a barbecue place. It's terrific. Always so, love some good barbecue. And, and, and I, now I'm a, I'm a burger guy. So okay. the best burgers probably outside the OBC in Jacksonville or in Owensboro, Kentucky, a place called the Big Dipper. Okay. All right. So if you're in Owensboro, Big Dipper is your, your burger place. All right. Well, this sounds like some great suggestions all over the board, too. Pizza, burgers, barbecue. I, I can live with all that. There you go. We're going to have to come up with a, like an Excel sheet and type in all these yep. restaurants yep. for, you know, for the time being. Yeah, if you, if you forget one, you can, you can text me. I'll, I'll make sure I send, them, send those along <laughs> to you. Well, appreciate that, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach Harper, it was great having you on. Uh, best of luck this year for your team and JSU and best of luck throughout the rest of your uh, coaching career. Okay. I appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks coach. All right. Thank you. And that was our interview with coach Ray Harper. Uh, TJ, I, I know myself, I, I was really looking forward to the interview because it was a current head coach in right. the Ohio Valley. We've had a lot of former Ohio Valley coaches come on, but getting someone's input to basically everything that's happening now, and then the outlook on the upcoming season, I thought was very, very beneficial. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned a couple of games, and all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, we lost this game by two. We lost this one by one. We missed a three pointer. It could have, like, I mean, I, I've been there. You know, there's definitely a feeling of you live with the losses a lot longer than you live with the wins. You oh, know? sure. And as a coach, you know, it's just one of those things that happens that you're like, "What did I do wrong? How come I didn't do this? Why?" You know, I, I was with a guy one time. He's like, "You know, you coach forever." And, you know, you know every shot's not going to go in, but why is it when a kid misses a shot, you grab your head? And you're like, oh, what? Like, well, because the way I drew it up, it went in. <laughs> 
you know, and we, we went in and practice all day yesterday. <laughs> that's that's like me at third base when uh, you just get done talking to the team about, hey, don't why are you watching? You know, these fastballs go right down the middle. You're just putting yourself in a hole. And it's like, OK, coach, I'll, I'll do I'll if I get that again, I'll swing at it. And then you're standing out there first pitch fastball down the middle and the kid just shakes his head. Okay, it was a good pitch. But what are you doing? We just talked about this. And now you're getting like a 0-1 curveball in the dirt. And now you're 0-2. Yeah. Or you get, you know, when you deal with people that aren't as experienced as in terms of playing, like, all right, you're down late. We're going to take until you get a strike. And they swing at a pitch. Like, what are you doing? What was the strike, coach? I don't think you understood what I meant. <laughs> Wait until the umpire calls a strike without you swinging. Like, yeah. you know, just sometimes you forget when you, like, by the end of the season, like, okay, this team knows. And next year your team's younger or just less experienced. They just don't know. And it's, it's, it can be some sleepless nights. Oh, yeah. So, so but yeah, it was a good visit. I, I've enjoyed our interviews. I feel like they're more, like you said, like more like visits than interviews. They are. And I like, you know, really get to listen to some stories and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be, be able to build on that in the future. Yeah, so. I'd like to think they flow pretty well too, and, yeah. or they've gotten better as we've yeah. as we've done them. And like we've said, we've we've learned to f- ask some follow up questions. So uh, you know, we're we're learning as well since we're not necessarily journalism majors. At least I wasn't. So, all right. So back to my question. I've given you a good what hour here to think about it. <laughs> you have two things that you get to choose. Like one thing that you know would be, would be pretty obvious. You know, everybody can see like, yeah, I can see where this guy would want to go see that. And then it's something else that might be a little more off the beaten path, so to speak. So what you got? So for most people that know me, they know I'm a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. And so most would be thinking, well, he's clearly going to pick the World Series. No, I'm not going to go the World Series okay. route. I like to golf. I may not be the best, but I, I tend to have a few good shots and then... I tend to maybe throw a golf club here and there mm-hmm. because I get ticked at myself. Right. But I ha- I'm not too big of a fan of watching golf on television. I do here and there. Right. But I do follow it. Having said that, I'm a very scenic person. I like to be in the mountains. I like to you know go to the Grand Canyon. I like to see the ocean and stuff like that. Okay. And most people probably don't know that about me. I'd really like to go watch a golf event at Pebble Beach. Okay. All right. See, I, I was going to guess the Masters. I I was leaning you towards know, but that. But when you start talking about mountains, I'm like, well, I don't know how, how good Chris is with geography. Not a lot of <laughs> mountains in Georgia. You know, not, not, but, you know, I could see that Pebble Beach right there on the ocean. Yeah. A good view. and I think that'd be a, I think that'd be a blast. Yeah. Expensive, but it'd be a blast. Right. Hey. You know, we're talking if I win the lottery. Yep, that, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. You know, it's, dreams are what makes life tolerable sometimes. Okay. So what, what's your kind of out-of-the-way obsolete? Not obsolete. That's that's uh, uh, but obscure, kind of unknown. Maybe? Obscure. There's the word I was looking for. So before I answer, why don't you take a guess on what you think I'm going to guess? It's a it's a pretty well known event, but okay. nobody would think I would guess. This. Can I can I get the sport at least? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, Little League World Series. No. Okay, that's my guess. I'm not. I'm only going one guess. Well, it's not a top five sport. It's not a top five sport. Yeah. You're gonna go watch curling the in the Olympics. How did you know? You're kidding me. I am. Okay. I love <laughs> curling. You know, there's timeouts in curling. I did not. Yeah. There's time, like each thing gets one timeout. I was watching one time. Like they're calling time. What? Yeah. There's a clock. I like curling, but no, that is not the. Okay. Event I was speaking of. This will this will make sense to you once I say it. From what I just said, you, you act like I'm going to make fun of you. No, okay, no, but you, it'll make sense from me saying I like, you know, the, the scenic stuff. Okay, I'd like to go and watch the Tour de France. Okay, all right. So that that's my I guess obscure event. All right, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's kind of obscure. I mean, definitely something you wouldn't think of is in terms of I want to go to this event, but still a major event. Yes, you know, I think my major event. I would like to go to the Army Navy football game. Oh, okay. And especially if it was on campus of one of the academies. Oh, I th- I think you, if you're going to, I think it has to be on one of those but campuses. I think. I think one time, don't they play in Philadelphia sometimes? 
Um, it's possible. I've, I think. And I've had the chance. We, we toured the Naval Academy some years ago. A friend of a friend took us on. I mean, this guy had was stationed there, got us on post, and took us around. He drove our van. He's just pointing all these things out. It was just a fantastic time being on the Naval Academy. And then my father didn't go to uh, the United States Military Academy in West Point, but was in the Army and worked with the Department of Defense for years. And I just love the atmosphere, you know. To, to see all those guys there that are willing to put their lives sure. on the line in the future for us. I think that'd be a pretty cool atmosphere just to experience. I'm a big atmosphere guy. Okay. You know, that being said, I hate chaotic crowds. Like you're talking like, hey, let's go to the let's go to the uh, homecoming picnic. Like, no, it's not for me. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is, but I'd love to go there. Okay. Uh, my obscure one, I'm sticking with football here. And there is a, ga- a high school football game in Florida. Yeah, I'm going really obscure here. Oh High school goodness. football game in Florida called the Muck Bowl between Glade Central, which is in Belle Glade, Florida, and Pahokee High School. A who? Pahokee. So they play this game. They say there'll be times that they might have up to 25,000 people. And this is in Texas. For yep. a high school game? Yes. So oh my the likes of who's attended Glade Central High School? Football players, I'm glad you asked. Joe, just a little guy named Jesse Hester or Santonio Holmes, you know, Super Bowl MVP. Buck Brad Meyer. Banks, who is a Heisman Trophy runner-up. Then you'll flip over to the Pahokee side, and you get Anquan Bolden, Ricky Jackson, you know, Janoris Jenkins, who you know played for the Rams. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. About, I mean, I, just, I, I would just love to go and watch. And now they say... How much is a ticket? I don't know. But they... They're hard to come by. And they say a buddy of mine played football at SIU, and they had a couple guys from that area, and they have what they call muck talk. And they, they, they're they still English, but it's such a strong dialect and accent that if we were watching them talk on a TV show, that we'd need subtitles. But it's just, I mean, a huge, huge floor. I mean, the list, I'm just glancing at this wiki list. There's probably got to be two dozen names here. Of notable football players from Glade Central and close to a dozen from Pahokee. Wow. So if you've ever seen the map of Florida, there's the the lake in Florida. It's kind of on the south side. And I was actually born in that area. My dad worked for oh, a, okay. a, a company that would spray crops. So he was their mechanic for their helicopters and their airplanes. And uh, so there's a large Cuban immigrant population that came in there and yeah, so it's definitely football rich. I think it'd be one of those cool things to see. There's another f- football game, a D3, two D3 schools will play at Target Field in uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, th- that would be a cool one to see too. So, Well, well I'll be honest. If you would have given me 25 guesses, I don't think I'd yeah. guessed a high school yeah. football game. Yeah. Well, there's, an, there's another race. My buddy that lives in Denver, he and I talk about this all the time, called um, the Pikes Peak Road Race. Okay. And they go up Pikes Peak. I don't know if you've ever been to Pikes Peak. It's the scariest drive I've ever had. It's just white knuckling it the whole time up. And these guys get out there, and as they're going up, they will fishtail and get their back end out over the edge. And it's not uncommon for guys to lose their lives there. And they, I mean, if I showed you videos, you'd be like, there's no way. I mean, it, it makes you pucker just watching it. Uh, I like scenery, I pass. Yeah. No way I'm going up there. No well, chance. Yeah, you can go up Pikes Peak. Well, yeah. But you're probably not going up with these guys. Nope. That's like <laughs> like stuff you'll see on like uh, Instagram. There's You'll see these videos of like people standing, like walking along this like uh, small, narrow edge on the top of a building right. on a skyscraper. I'm like, are you nuts? That just makes my stomach drop just watching that. Yeah, I misspoke. It's the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, not the Mike Pikes Peak uh, Road Race. It's Pikes Peak Hill Climb. And famous guys have done it, you know. So wow. it's coming up here. That hasn't happened yet this year, it doesn't look like. So we should go. We can camp up there and <laughs> with all your, with all of our combined camping experience. Yeah, uh, well... Before we move on, I guess if we're going to talk my camping experience, every time somebody asks me to camp, I say no. When people ask me to go on a float trip, I go, I sleep in my car. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's my camping. Sleep in my car. Yep. I uh, understand. 
But with that, that'll basically uh, wrap up the episode, episode 18 here. A great interview with Coach Harper. Um, got to know some of our events we'd like to go to and some of the latest uh, where some of the college basketball turns, tournaments will be taking place. Gosh, I hope we get an answer soon. Uh, I would love an answer soon. You know, but again, you get an answer and it, it can change tomorrow. Well, and, you know, as I told you, I saw on Twitter that, you know, Charles with the D1 docket basically uh, took everybody's access away from that scheduling thing because he said it was getting so messed up and so many changes coming through. Right, he I can he's imagine. Gonna, he's going to have to basically redo it all. So it's it's a headache for a lot of a lot of people. Yeah, I'm sure. I can't imagine being an athletic director oh. or, you know, parents are going to want to see their kids play, especially imagine having a freshman going to school or that your kid's finally going to break through the starting lineup. Am I going to get to watch my kid play? Exactly. You know, that seems kind of secondary right now, but those are questions that you're going to have to take on in those roles as a coach or as the athletic director or the athletic department. Well, to wrap up the show, as as I had mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, there's going to be a chance for somebody to win some money. It'll be a a Visa gift card. Uh, If you have a Twitter account, this is what you have to do to have a chance to win at it. It'll be a random draw, but you have to follow our Twitter account, which is View Valley's Pod, and then go to Apple Apple Podcasts, and we'd like to get our rate our ratings up. I mean, the ratings we have are good, but we'd like to uh, get our ratings get bumped a few up. More of them, yeah, exactly. Give us a five star review, and once you do that five-star review, take a, take a screenshot of it because we won't be able to see the usernames of who did it. So take a screenshot of it, and then uh, you can direct message that to us on Twitter. Right, at, right, uh, at View Valley's Pod. And you can do that right after you uh, give us a follow. So once you do that, um, we'll, we'll do a random draw. We'll, uh, we can announce that on the episode the following week after this one airs and then we can uh we'll be in contact with the winner but uh he'll be be a twenty dollar twenty dollar gift card for visa um use it on whatever you want but uh just try and get some uh interaction with uh some listeners out there now we're including all followers new and previous ones correct correct yeah if you're if you're a current follower um yeah, you're you're able to. Um, if you haven't given us a five star, go and give us a five star review, screenshot it, and you know, yeah, direct message it. Yep, we're just trying to get the word out there. And as we're getting closer to the season, hopefully we get a little more uh, traffic on our podcasts, and hopefully some people listen to our interviews and are impressed. At least I am. Yeah, I mean, if if, <laughs> if you, you don't like what we're saying, at least maybe you like what uh, you know, the guests we have on each week and what they uh, have to bring to the table. But with that, TJ, that'll wrap up the show. Uh, For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week for episode 19. And again, a special thanks to Coach Ray Harper for taking time out of his day to join the show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and give us a follow on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.